This is the SLA Workshop Podcast, episode number 15. What is the most difficult language to learn in the world? Have you asked yourself that question or has someone asked you that question if you teach a language? Well, let's have fun with that question in this episode. So let's get started. Welcome to the SLA Workshop Podcast with Joel Sarate, the podcast that will expand your knowledge on how we learn languages and help you become a better language learner and better language teacher. And now your host, Joel Sarate. Tacha hao, ni hao ma, sao shang hao, xiao hao, wang shang hao. Nin Chun Sai Shoting SLA Workshop Podcast. Huayin Daya, Huayin Lai Dao SLA Workshop Podcast. Xie Xie Shoting Woman the Podcast. Chu Shi Gu Guan Yu Ru Hue Sue Si Yu Yenda the Podcast. Yang Woman Sho Sho Woman Shi. Ru Hu Shue Si Ling Yi Chong Yu Yenda. Washi Hoel Sarate. Wachao Hoel Sarate. Sai Tien. Wan Dien Tien. Xie Xie. Fei Changan Xie. How the young woman Kai Shi Ba. And welcome to the Second Language Acquisition Workshop Podcast. I am Hoel Sarate. I am your host, and this time I welcome you in Chinese. And I welcome you in Chinese because many people believe that Chinese is probably one of the most difficult languages to learn. So I thought that it would be interesting to learn how to welcome you in Chinese. And basically, I am just saying, hello, I am Joel Sarate. How are you? Good morning, good evening, good afternoon. And that's what you hear in the intro in Chinese. But I wanted to open this episode in Chinese because in many countries, people think that Chinese is probably the most difficult language to learn. So today, I am going to be talking about the most difficult language to learn. Is there really a most difficult language to learn? Well, in this episode, I am going to be talking about that. We are going to be having fun with that question. And also, I'm not just going to give you my opinion and what I think the most difficult language is, but I am also going to give you perspective from what we know from the experts and the studies in the field of second language acquisition. So I think it'll be an interesting episode. And this is actually an opportunity for me to answer one of your questions. I get this question a lot, what the most difficult language is, and one of you emailed me this question, and that's why I decided to cover that question in this episode. I think it is going to be a fun episode. I think we're going to have so much fun with this question. I couldn't resist it. So let's talk about the idea that there is a most difficult language. Remember that if you have any suggestions or questions for me or ideas to discuss in the podcast, you can email me at SLA Workshop Podcast 
one word o lowercase at yahoo.com. It is the name of the podcast at yahoo.com, SLA Workshop Podcast, one word o lowercase at yahoo.com. I might read your email on the next episode to share your comment with our community. I'll also leave the email address on the show notes in case you just want to copy and paste that into your email so that you can send me your comments, your questions or your suggestions or anything that you would just like to communicate to me. All right. In this episode, I'm going to talk about the notion that there is a most difficult language to learn. And is there really a most difficult language to learn? What do you think? Do you think there is such a language? And the reason why I decided to talk about this topic today is because I received the question on my email. And the question that I got was from Jennifer. And thank you, Jennifer, for sending me your question. She emailed me asking me this question. And I decided to talk about it because I have been asked this question many times. And I'm sure that if you are a language teacher, your students have probably asked you the same question at some point or another. Or if you are a language learner, you might be curious about what the most difficult language to learn could be. And I'm sure that once you hear me talk about this topic, you will also have a little bit more understanding about learning languages. So that's why I decided to cover this question. So let me read the email that I got from Jennifer. And her email reads like this. Hi, Joel. This is Jennifer. I am a Spanish teacher. I started listening to your podcast and I enjoy it. I also listen to your conversations in Spanish podcast and I love it. For those of you who don't know, I also have a podcast called The Conversations in Spanish and Other Languages Podcast. And uh, if you haven't heard it, I'll leave the link to my podcast on the show notes. All right. So she says, I teach Spanish at a high school and I also give private English lessons over Skype. I have a question for you. What language do you think is the most difficult language to learn? My students ask me this question and I am curious to know what you think. Thank you for what you're doing and keep it up. Well, Jennifer, thank you so much for your question. Thank you so much for taking the time to send me your question. This is really a fun question and has brought back some memories to me. I'll explain why in just a little bit. So first, let me just have fun with this question and then we can get a little bit more serious about it. I'll, I'll bring information that we know from the field of second language acquisition to also attack this question. So first of all, I personally try not to talk about learning a language in terms of being easy or difficult or easy or hard. I think we are used to using easy and hard, but I don't think it applies in the same way when we talk about learning a language. I try not to think about learning a language that way. It is interesting that we are subconsciously used to looking at our objectives, our goals, as easy or hard. 
But when it comes to learning another language, I don't think of this experience as being difficult to accomplish, but rather I look at it as a process that simply takes time to develop. It takes time for our interlanguage to grow in our brain. And that is to say, the development of your second language over time in your brain. So we can learn all the languages. It is within our natural ability. It is within our natural endowment. But it is a process that happens over time. Now, the reason why I said that this question is fun to talk about is because it is interesting to see how in many languages there is at least one expression that uses a language to refer to something that we think is difficult to understand or difficult to figure out. In English, we have the expression, at least the expression that I know, that something is Greek to me. That's Greek to me. Or also, I have heard, that sounds Greek to me. That is the expression that we have in the United States. That's the one that I hear more often. I don't know if in other English-speaking countries they use this expression, but it is a common expression in the U.S. In Spanish, the equivalent of this expression is It is Chinese to me. Está en chino. Or you can also hear It sounds Chinese to me. Me suena a chino. There can be some variations of the expression depending on the Spanish-speaking country where you hear it. But the point is that we usually use Chinese in our expression. Now, the reason why I said that it brings back memories to me is because some time ago, I was teaching Spanish to a friend who is Greek, and I thought it would be funny, I thought it would be amusing to ask him to tell me how he says in Greek, that's Greek to me. So, of course, he, he laughed, and we were both laughing because it was meant to be a joke, But he actually told me that in the expression that they use in Greek, they also make reference to Chinese as well. I don't remember the exact expression, but it has something to do with also sounding Chinese. And I don't remember the exact expression, but it has something to do with sounding Chinese or something like that. So... As someone who loves learning and teaching languages, I thought that was very interesting. So just out of curiosity, I started asking some of my friends from other countries how they say that's Greek to me in their native language. And I found out that the most common language in their equivalent expression was also Chinese. For example... In French, there is the expression du chinois. In Portuguese, there is the expression es chinés para mim. Also, Arabic, Russian, and Japanese use Chinese in their idiomatic expressions. Other expressions also use Arabic, Greek, and Spanish. In Italian, the expression is e arabo per me 
or perme e arabo, which means that's Arabic to me. In Portuguese, they also say e grego pra mim, it's Greek to me. And the funny thing for me is that in German, they have the expression das mi Spanish for, which means that sounds like Spanish to me. And also, the funny thing about that is that there is even a song called Das Comi Spanish For. So, I am going to leave the link to that song on the show notes if you're curious about it. Now, I also had a chance to ask my Chinese friends if they have an expression for that and they have the best answer. The Chinese probably know that most people around the world think that Chinese is the most difficult language to learn. So they had to raise the bar and make it even more difficult than Chinese. So the expression that they have is it is bird language or they also say it is Martian language. (laughs) And of course, who could ever learn bird language or Martian language, right? I love that they say that. It is bird language. But I must say that there is actually another language that will be even more challenging to conquer. And that is a whistling language. For instance, in some places, people use whistling to communicate and they can have a whistling conversation. For example, in the remote forest of Oaxaca in Mexico, there are native people who communicate through whistling. It is simply amazing. I'll leave the link to a documentary about whistling language in the show notes if you would like to watch it. I think you'll find it amazing and interesting. Okay, now let's get a little bit more serious about it and let's explore the answer to this question. Now, there isn't really one language that is the hardest or longest to learn. The reason why I say that is because it depends on your first language or languages that you speak. If you speak Spanish, then it will be easier, or I should say it will take you less time to learn Portuguese, Italian, French, or Romanian. And that's because they are part of the same family. They are all Romance languages. And also, you will find similar vocabulary or similar grammar rules as opposed to Chinese, Arabic, or Russian. If you speak English, then it will take you a smaller amount of time to learn Dutch, Swedish, Norwegian, or German. And that's because they are also part of the same family. They are all Indo-European languages or Germanic languages. So the longest the distance between your first language and the target language, that is to say the language that you want to learn, then the more time you will need to acquire that language, to develop the subconscious command of the language that you're learning. In fact, 
that is actually a term in the field of SLA to refer to this phenomenon. The term is called language distance, which indicates the proximity between languages. For example, Spanish and Portuguese are closer, English and Dutch are closer, and Japanese and Korean are also closer. But Spanish and Chinese are distant, or English and Arabic are distant, and so forth. We can make these comparisons. So, let's put it into perspective. If you speak Spanish and you want to learn Italian or Portuguese, and also if you find a good teacher who also knows how to speak Spanish and who knows how to give you a lot of comprehensible input and teach you communicatively, you can start learning Portuguese or Italian in context right away. Your teacher can speak to you in Portuguese or Italian from the very first lesson in a way that you can understand and participate in your conversation. For instance, learning Portuguese as a native speaker of Spanish is quite an interesting and fascinating experience. We have a lot of vocabulary in common, and there are verbs that are irregular in Spanish, but those same verbs can be regular in Portuguese. So, just to give you an idea, imagine that you are learning another language that is similar to English. You probably know that many verbs in English have an irregular past tense, like the verb to have. Its past tense is had. The verb to go becomes went. The verb to break becomes broke. The verb to eat becomes ate, and so forth. We have many verbs in English that are irregular like that. Now, imagine that in this language that you are learning, that, that is similar to English, all these irregular verbs become regular with just a slight different pronunciation. So, just for fun, I'm going to leave a 10 seconds blank space and you can also pause the podcast for a few seconds and think of something you did yesterday. For example... I went to the store, I bought groceries, I spent $20, whatever it is that you can quickly think of, but there is a catch. You have to make every irregular verb regular. So you cannot say, you can't say, I went to the store, or I saw my friend, I did a few things. You have to say, I go to the store. I seed my friend. I do it a few things. So try it just for fun. So here we go. I'll leave a 10 seconds space. So how did it go? It is very interesting to see what it does to your brain, right? If you didn't get a chance to do it right now, try it later when you have a minute. Now, if you were learning a language like this, 
you can see why it will be easier to learn this language, right? You would have many verbs and words in common and a similar structure, but you have to kind of reshape it in your brain. Nonetheless, if you were to learn Chinese, we don't have a lot in common with Chinese. So you have to start from scratch. You have to start from zero. It will take you much longer to learn Chinese because you don't have anything to hold on to. In fact, there is a guideline out there offered by the United States Department of State Foreign Service Institute, the FSI, that indicates how long it would take to a native speaker of English to be able to learn different languages. I don't have the direct source to those guidelines, but I am going to use two different sources that make reference to those guidelines. The first is a website by the University of Texas at Austin, UT of A, as it is commonly known. UT of A has this wonderful website called Foreign Language Teaching Methods. And this is a free source that you can go to and you can learn about teaching grammar, vocabulary, culture, pragmatics, speaking, listening, writing, reading, using technology, classroom management, the language learner, and assessment. All of these topics are divided into modules and a professor expert in that area conducts the modules. So you should check it out. I think it's a great resource. I'll leave the link to the website on the show notes so that you can go and take a look at it. So in the technology module, Professor Orlando Kelm has a nice chart based on the Foreign Service Institute guidelines. And this chart gives you perspective on how far you would get by the time you have studied 500 hours of the foreign language that you're learning. For example, if you are a native speaker of English and you have studied 500 hours of Dutch, then the expectation would be that you would be at the advanced low level in Dutch based on the ACTFL, the American Council on the Teaching of Foreign Languages Proficiency Guidelines. With 500 hours of Dutch, you would be at the advanced low level. If you have studied 500 hours of German, then you would be at the intermediate high level. And if you have studied 500 hours of Chinese, then you would be at an intermediate low level. Now, Professor Kelm mentions that learners at every level need to spend time on task. So I think what that means is being engaged learning the language like when you can take one-on-one lessons, for example, when you are using the language meaningfully, purposefully, and communicatively, not just doing conjugations or grammar exercises. Now, my second source for this episode is in the book Brave New Digital Classroom, Technology and Foreign Language Learning by Professor Robert Blake at the University of California at Davis. And on chapter one, on the second paragraph, Professor Blake makes reference to the Foreign Service Institute, the FSI, 
and he points out that the FSI estimates that anywhere from 700 to 1,320 hours of full-time instruction are needed to reach a level of high fluency. He also indicates that to learn a Romance language, it could take about 600 hours, but to learn Russian or Chinese, it could take about 1,320 hours. He doesn't mention specifically that he's talking about native English speakers, but I think we can safely assume that this information refers to native speakers of English. So, as you can see, it is not necessarily that there is a language that is most difficult to learn. It would depend on what language or languages you speak. The more you have in common with the language that you are learning, the lesser amount of time it will take for you to learn that language and vice versa. The less you have in common with the language you are learning, the longer it is going to take to learn it. So, if there is more distance between your first language and the second language you are learning, it will take you longer to speak that language. Alright, so that was a lot of fun talking about Jennifer's question. Thank you, Jennifer, for sending me your question. And thank you all for listening to the podcast and for joining me once more in this adventure to become better language learners and better language teachers. I will leave the links to the resources that I mentioned on the show notes for you to take a look at them if you want to watch the documentary or if you want to visit the website at the University of Texas at Austin. If you like the podcast, please leave me a five-star review on the ratings and reviews section of the podcast. That will help me a lot to grow in this platform, particularly if you're listening to the podcast on iTunes with your iPad or your iPhone or your iPod. I will really appreciate it if you leave me five stars and also a written comment. That way, new listeners can have an idea about what the podcast is about and also, you will be able to help me to gain more trust in this platform. If you want to send me an email, if you have a question or suggestion or anything that you would like to share with me, you can send me an email at SLA Workshop Podcast, one word or lowercase, at yahoo.com. It is simply the name of the podcast at yahoo.com, one word or lowercase. SLA Workshop Podcast at yahoo.com. I might read your email on the next episode to share your comments with our community. All right, that is all for this episode. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. And I'll see you on the next episode of the SLA Workshop Podcast. And for now, I'll just say hasta pronto. Adios. Thanks for listening to the SLA Workshop Podcast with Joel Sarate. We hope you enjoy this episode and we'll see you again on our next episode. And for now, we'll just say hasta pronto. Adios. Adios.